Hello and welcome to SJEN TV. The Unshaken Witness, stories of modern day witnesses to Christ. Hello, I'm your host, Ann Maloney, and today I'm so happy to welcome my friend, Zip Rizepa. Hi, Zip. Hi, Ann. Great to be here. And many people know Zip because of his um, work in the uh, newscaster business in St. Louis, especially also in Boston and Cincinnati. And Zip has an amazing story of how he came around to be a Catholic evangelical person. Person. I'm a person. <laughs> <laughs> and now the, the uh, executive director of Modern Media. Yes. And we're so happy to have Zip here today to tell us the story of being a modern day witness to Christ. Yep. Well, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a television sportscaster, Ann, and I became one. Went to Boston University, which was a lot of fun, and graduated with a degree in journalism and started out in the minor leagues at TV. I started in Fort Wayne, Indiana, making 40 bucks a week. Then I made it to Saginaw, Michigan, a full-time job up there. And then the cities you mentioned, Cincinnati, then Boston. And then in 1984, I came to St. Louis and had a great run as a television sportscaster. Uh, it was very popular, ratings were great, money was good, money was great, things went very, very well, but I hated the lifestyle. I loved the work of being a television sportscaster, but I had for 19 years in five different cities at six different television stations. I worked until midnight every night of my life, five and six nights a week, mm -hmm. 19 years of that. So I had no family, no kids, no life other than being a sportscaster. So I finally plotted my escape. I decided I can't take this anymore. And I started a radio show on Saturday mornings that would get me out of the nightlife. So off my popularity in television, 57 cities picked up the radio show, a three-hour Saturday morning show. I put all my money and effort into it, hired a big staff. It was called the Great American Sports Trivia Show. And I knew life was going to be better until the show collapsed financially and went off the air. And Ann, when it did, I lost all the money I had left from my television career. Oh. So gone was the show, gone was my money. But I was mm -hmm. engaged at that point, so I wasn't despondent. I was happy. Mm -hmm. I was going to have what I never had before, a wife and a family. Mm -hmm. And then my engagement fell apart, and we became disengaged. Mm -hmm. And now, no more marriage. And at the same time, when I thought things couldn't get worse, Things did get worse. My dad was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease, and I love my dad. Mm -hmm. So I lost my job. I lost all my money. I lost my fiance. I was going to lose my dad. I didn't know where to turn. But the Lord was pulling me to a life of service. I went on a retreat at um, Mary, Mary the Font Solitude out in the woods as a hermit. And I prayed, and I started working with a guy named Declan Duffy, and we started doing evangelization in inner-city parishes, something I never wanted to do, <laughs> never thought about doing in my entire life. But that work, going into some of the most crime-ridden, drug-infested, non-religious parts of St. Louis you could ever imagine, dangerous areas where people were getting shot and mugged and so on, and doing that door-to-door, -door, ringing doorbells and asking people if they'd like to know more about the Catholic faith, that really put me on a direction that I never envisioned before in my life. How did people react to a celebrity coming to their door? Well, it was uh, funny, you know. Uh, <laughs> they asked them about their faith. Yeah, they didn't think I was coming to ask them about their faith. They'd say, hey, you're Zipper Zipper. You come to put us on the Zippo Awards? Yeah. <laughs> Not exactly. 
But I'll tell you what, when you come to talk about the Lord, there's something inside people that keeps them from slamming the door in your face. Mm -hmm. And we had some mm -hmm. tremendous conversations over the course of four years. I did this 50 weeks a year for four years of my life. And the people we met were just incredible. We had some conversion stories. Mostly we planted seeds to people who knew very little about the Catholic faith. Mm -hmm. Now, how did your friends react that were in the, you know, the showbiz world to your big conversion here. They, they were stunned. <laughs> no question about it. Yeah. There it was in the streets of St. Louis becoming a Catholic evangelist. And, Did they uh, think you'd lost your mind? Yeah, or? yeah. They mm -hmm. wondered why I wasn't back in TV reporting on the sports and making the big bucks and wearing mm -hmm. the fine suits and yeah. having fun in the sports world. Yeah, they didn't understand. Yeah. So what really, you know, what was in your heart, Zip? How did you feel like you, you just really needed to to just do this for Christ? Was Christ just really Well, the time of the solitude, heart? the time of the solitude played a big part in it. We would, we'd have a spiritual direction in a group on Saturday mornings for an hour and a half with a holy priest, Father Placid. He'd be mm. out there and then doing the work and applying what we learned in the, uh, in, the, in the sessions on the streets out with the people was just transforming. Yeah. And then my partner, Declan Duffy, while I was doing this work, he said, well, what are you doing for a job these days? I said, well, not really doing anything, just mm. kind of looking around. He said, well, why don't you come and see where I work? And he took me down to this seven-story building on 18th and Locust in the city of St. Louis. It was called MERS Goodwill. That time it was just MERS. They soon merged with Goodwill Industries. And Declan worked there helping people with disabilities, extreme mental and physical disabilities, to find jobs. And he said, you know, you'd be great at doing this work. I said, Declan, this is social work. I'm a trained broadcast journalist. I would not to do this. He says, oh, yeah, your name would open doors with employers and help our people gain employment. So I said, well, let's give that a whirl. And I took a job at MERS Goodwill, working with people um, with extreme problems in their lives, trying to get just part-time jobs to supplement their, mm -hmm. their uh, Social Security income or whatever they were getting by on. And that changed my life further, Anne, mm -hmm. because I saw the face of Christ in the poor, in the needy. Mm -hmm. I was so proud, so filled with pride. God had to slow it down for me. Mm -hmm. He had to put me in the daily presence of people who walked slower and thought slower and talked slower until I could see Christ in them so that finally, after a while, I would leave work and I could see Christ in everyone. Yeah, yeah, well, that's beautiful. So how were you feeling at that time? You must have been feeling like you were more fulfilled and how long did you stay at uh, I was at MERS Goodwill for six and a half years. Mm -hmm. So um, it was a long run. Eventually they kicked me upstairs to vice president because I could raise some more money mm -hmm. for more of the programs and stuff. Right. But I really enjoyed that one-on-one -on -one time with the clients, helping them and trying to help them achieve their goal, seeing Christ in them and serving him in them. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. I've, I think that's, that's amazing. And it's amazing flip from being on television to going door to door. It was a flip from a life of fame and fortune and hanging around locker rooms with multimillionaire athletes to working with the poorest of the poor and people that no one knew their name or cared about them. Mm -hmm. So 
It was a big difference, no question. But the other difference was I was getting, getting, getting as a television sportscaster. I had the highest mm -hmm. television salary in the history of local news in St. Louis, which is still true today because less people are watching TV these days. Right. But, um, you know, while I was famous and people were asking me for my autograph back before selfies and things, mm -hmm. um, the spiritual growth of being with people and serving mm -hmm. was just the greatest period of growth in my life. Do you get that feeling where, you know, we're only going to be here for so long and then, you know, the life is short and we've got to really serve God? That's right. Because all eternity is going to be. That's right. And life is short. One of my favorite quotes is Jesus when he said, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Mm -hmm. And that really resonated with me. I'm thinking, well, who am I if the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve? What about me? Yeah. What am I doing? Yeah, and he washed feet too. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. So when um, when you after uh, MERS, where did you go to next? I went to the Society of Saint Vincent de Paul and mm -hmm. um, interviewed for the job. They asked me to interview. I didn't think I was going to get it, and <laughs> they chose me as the executive director of the Saint Louis Council, which mm -hmm. was a huge position. Yeah. I was suddenly overseeing the work of Vincentians volunteering in their parishes, 142 parishes across the archdiocese, 3,000 volunteers, and we were the council office overseeing all of this great work. Wow. And uh, I guess as you were doing that, um, Again, your celebrity status came back to help you in that ministry as well, didn't it? It would help us raise some money and uh, open mm -hmm. some doors with some foundations perhaps, yeah. Mm -hmm. But really it was the people we brought in. The Lord blessed us with some great, great people. Many are still working at the St. Louis Council office. And we expanded the program mm -hmm. to serve the poor. We uh, enlarged the car program to get cars mm -hmm. to people who couldn't get to work because they didn't have a car. We expanded the, met the uh, drug program for people who needed prescriptions mm -hmm. and couldn't get them for some reason because of their disability pay or something. Uh, we expanded many, many programs to help the poor and it was a very rewarding time. I was there for uh, five and a half years as executive director and uh, um, saw a lot of people served. Yeah, you sure did. Mm -hmm. I know that you, you did a huge service to St. Vincent de Paul Society here mm -hmm. in St. Louis by really kind of pushing them, kind of catapulting them up. And uh, you can still feel that in the St. Louis area. So thank mm -hmm. you for that, Zip. Well, my successor, John Foppy, is doing a great job mm -hmm. as executive director, and uh, the work of this Vincentians is just wonderful. It's people who serve the poor, the needy, and the suffering wherever they are in their parishes. Mm -hmm. And yes, in the poorer parishes, people need money to keep the lights on or money for mm -hmm. food, but in the wealthy parishes, there are, there's a different kind of poverty, and the mm -hmm. St. Vincent de Paul Society addresses that too. The poverty of divorce, the poverty of bankruptcy, the poverty of losing a job, of losing a child, of a death in the mm -hmm. family. These are hardships on people. Who's there to support them? The Vincentians are always there. And mm -hmm. we fast forward to your role as um, Executive Director of Modern Media. Yeah, we can do that. Before I did, before I uh, get to that role, though, I worked with the Angel's Arms and the Foster Kids. Oh, yes. And mm -hmm. uh, that was a great experience as well. I took the job as Managing Director after leaving St. Vincent de Paul. And uh, it was a unique agency because it addressed the needs of foster kids who were being pulled apart from their siblings. 75% mm -hmm. of the foster kids in the state of Missouri were being separated at one point or a time from their own brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm because people didn't have homes big enough to take more than one kid. Mm -hmm. So this woman started this agency called Angel's Arms and she bought a house big enough for raise funds and bought the house as a not-for-profit for 
big enough for six foster kids and two foster parents. And there, there weren't too many families of six foster kids, mm -hmm. but there were a lot of twos and fours and threes. With a house big enough for six, they could keep all the siblings together. So I thought, wow, this is a wonderful, wonderful concept. Let's just raise a lot of money and buy a lot more of these houses and serve a lot more foster kids. So um, it was pretty amazing. I, I looked into grants when I became managing director, and I found these little known grants, these little used grants for uh, not-for-profits and children in, we had a lot of parameters to meet, and I said, wow, our, our agency meets that. Mm -hmm. And because we did, they had these tax credits attached so that people could get up to 90% of their money back if they would put out the money. So I said, wow, this is great. But there was a deadline on it before the end of the year because that's when people make their donations before December 31st. And the grant came through on December 12th, the oh. Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Oh, of course. So, and I had 19 <laughs> days to try yeah. to round up people who would give huge amounts of money to help our foster kids. And I called everybody I knew, I wrote them letters, I was typing emails, I was sending out everything I could. And 10 days later on December 22nd, a wonderful gentleman, very low profile, but very, very successful, walked in and handed us a check for $500,000. Oh, that was, that was nice. And five days later, another businessman, a uh, great Catholic businessman, as was the other gentleman, sent us an envelope with no note, no nothing, just two checks. One for $100,000 from his company mm -hmm. and one from $100,000 his personal check to help these foster kids. So between December 12th and December 27th, in 15 days, Our Lady of Guadalupe, to whom I was praying fervently ever since the grant came through on her feast day, mm -hmm. brought us $700,000 to build three new homes, to buy three new homes big enough for six foster kids and two foster parents. And it was just a great uh, miracle from Our Lady and the Lord to uh, help those foster kids. Where do you pray? So, where <laughs> I, do you go to pray? I pray in my home. I pray uh, when I get up in the morning. I pray before I go to bed. Um, I'm, I've grown in uh, meditation, in, uh, in uh, spiritual reading, which I do every day. I meditate on the readings before I go to Mass, go to Mass every day. And I love to go to Eucharistic Adoration. We have a great Eucharistic Adoration Chapel at my parish. And um, I go, oh, three or four days, different days a week, usually at night. My time is best at 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. And I love being at that time with our Lord, alone with Him. Yeah, that's just very moving, isn't it? Uh, it's just a great, great time. Uh, um, it's kind of, it's, well it is, it's miraculous when you're there in front of the Blessed Sacrament. It is. I mean, the, the intimacy with God, when you're in the presence of the creator of the universe, mm -hmm. the one who made all six billion people, the one who made the, the planets and the stars and the galaxies, the flowers, the trees, the rivers, everything in creation, and me, it's overwhelming mm -hmm. to yeah. think there he is, mm -hmm. hidden in the presence of the host, in his incredible humility, his Eucharistic face radiant and yet hidden, because if it wasn't hidden, we wouldn't be able to take it. It would be so bright. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, it is. Well, um, so after, so you were with uh, Angel's Arms for how long? About a year. Mm-hmm. Did a lot for them. Yeah, and then I felt the call to um, get back to my journalistic roots, to, mm -hmm. uh, to write. I had, I had written 8,000 sportscasts, numerous half-hour TV specials. I had a degree in journalism mm -hmm. from Boston University's esteemed journalism school. I knew how to write, yeah. but 
But I thought, you know, uh, young people need good things to read these days. Mm -hmm. And I looked around and I said, man, everywhere they turn, whether it's the internet or music or TV or movies, are being pulled away from where the Lord wants them to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I wrote a novel. I started a not-for-profit to write, print, publish, and distribute books to evangelize the Catholic faith. Mm -hmm. And the first book was one I wrote called My Rock and Salvation. Mm -hmm. There was a story about a, a guy trying to make it in the rock world out of St. Louis. Yeah. And his buddy was on the then St. Louis Rams when the Rams were here. And uh, he was driving the big Lamborghini. And, and it was the tale of the two Catholic women whom they met mm -hmm. and all the temptations to the worldly life versus the spiritual life. And uh, we put all kinds of things in there to keep the kids' attention. Mm -hmm. There was a murder, a near-death mm -hmm. experience, yeah. an attempted murder. Yeah. The groupie gets pregnant. The band has drug problems, <laughs> all kinds of loyalty issues and yeah. so on, chastity issues. And this heroic priest comes in, this angelic figure comes into it, and it's just a, a novel that just moves at rapid pace. And uh, we've gotten 20,000 copies of that into the hands of teens and uh, hopefully it's making a difference. It's basically to expose them to and teach them the theology of the body and the beauty of mm -hmm. human sexuality, which they find rarely taught to them in any places yeah. in this secular world. Well, it's just one soul at a time, right? Yes, that's right. So, and then you wrote another book. Wrote my autobiography mm -hmm. called uh, For a Greater Purpose. Mm -hmm. uh, I bear my soul in that one. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, uh, we talk about everything, TV, romance, uh, money, making money, losing money. The all journeys, your sins, all, all my wrapped sins, the spiritual journeys, one. that's right. <laughs> I mean, and I had to yeah. change the names of so many women in that book, I almost ran out of girls' names. Yeah. I mean, it was, I bared my soul. I mean, we had a lot of struggles. Yeah. We had a lot of things going on, and, uh, you know, yeah. uh, I felt, let's get it out there. Let's tell yeah. that story with the spiritual conversion being the focus mm -hmm. of the book at the end. Mm -hmm. We're all on that road to Calvary, you know. We're all on a journey. Yeah. And it's all hard for all of us and joyful of all of us. There's mm -hmm. different parts of life. But when we find the Lord in that spiritual compass, mm -hmm. that direction of where we're supposed to go, it makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, we all make our mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And God keeps forgiving us. So. Yes. Um, now, if we want to find these books, where do we find them? Matramedia.org is probably the best place. You can find them on Amazon.com. Mm -hmm. uh, the autobiography is getting tremendous reviews on Amazon.com. I mean, 87% of the reviews are five-star, which oh, is wonderful. pretty amazing. Um, but if you want it for free, you can go to Matramedia.org because that's what our apostolate now has become. Not only do we continue to write the books to evangelize <clears throat> the Catholic faith, but now our new mission is to make Jesus Christ more known and more loved by more people through media. So we've broadened it from just books. We're doing DVDs, we're doing CDs, online videos, we're promoting the rosary, we're doing pilgrimages to Italy, we're doing uh, movies, we're doing concerts in homes, we're doing all kinds of things in media to bring people closer to the Lord. Yeah, and that's beautiful because it's really a personal experience. And this trip that's coming up, I really want to talk about that because it sounds like I'd need to go pack my bags and go on it. <laughs> but um, you're going with Cardinal Burke. Yes. Monsignor Morris. Yes. And tell us about where you guys are going. We're going to Italy. This is a pilgrimage. Mm -hmm. This is not a vacation. This mm -hmm. is to the holy sites of Italy. 
We're going to go to Assisi, where the St. Francis of Assisi and St. Clair of Assisi, of course, were legendary 800 years ago. We're going to walk where they walk mm -hmm. and see what that little town looks like now, which I understand. I've never been to Assisi, so I'm eager to go. I understand it still has that peaceful atmosphere mm -hmm. in direct contrast to Rome, which is a big city. Mm -hmm. We're going to go to Rome, of course. We're going to spend four nights in Rome, and we're going to see everything there. The, well, everything. There's 300 churches. We're not going to catch all 300, but we're going to yeah. see um, St. Mary Major. We're going to see St. Paul outside the walls, St. Peter's Basilica, uh, the Sistine Chapel, the Vatican mm -hmm. Museum, the Colosseum, the Forum, and some of these lesser-known churches that are just spectacular. Some that date back to the time of Christ. Mm -hmm. It's amazing to be there. I have been to Rome. I've seen many of these sites and it is an extraordinary experience. Mm -hmm. Now will Cardinal Burke be with you guys on that segment? Yes, he's going to meet us in uh, Italy. Mm -hmm. He's living over uh, in Rome, just a two-minute walk from St. Peter's Basilica. People always ask me, where's Cardinal Burke these mm -hmm. days? Uh, that's where he is. And uh, he'll be joining us in Assisi and he'll be going to Florence with us and then back to Assisi. So he'll be with us for three days of the trip, then he's got other commitments. Yeah. Monsignor Morris will be with us the entire 11-day period. Uh, what a great homilist, what a great spiritual guy who spent almost parts of 14 or 15 years in Rome uh, mm -hmm. leading tour, uh, pilgrimages with seminarians. So we've yeah. got a guy who really knows his way around as our spiritual director. Yeah, and he's a lot of fun too. He is a lot of fun. Yeah, they're both very, they're both much more witty than people <laughs> could imagine. Yes. Yes. You know? As and our so, pilgrims will find out on this 11-day trip, yeah, I am sure. Yeah. And so if, um, if I'm going, what can I expect? Um, is it a bus? Are we, how many people? It's a smaller group, right? It's probably going to be about 25 people, which is a nice, nice size yeah, group. That's yeah, that's wonderful. Which is great. Air-conditioned coaches. It's done by Canterbury Pilgrimages, a great Catholic, Catholic tour company that's been doing this Catholic, for 25 Catholic. years. Very Catholic. Yeah, it's the founder was a high school kid, went to Fatima and was so impressed he started taking friends there. Oh. And then he met his wife there and then they came back to the States and started the pilgrimage company 25 years ago. Oh. They do the Holy Land, they do Rome, they're doing now the footsteps of St. Francis Xavier in Japan. So they know what they're doing. So we're going to be in great hands with Canterbury and uh, with our spiritual director, Monsignor Morris, Cardinal Burke, and, and the great camaraderie that develops on the trip from mm. the pilgrims, mm -hmm. uh, being together for 11 days, uh, Catholic people going to Mass daily, looking at all these holy sites. This sounds like a kind of a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. It really is. To I mean, get you and, and Monsignor Morris and Cardinal Burke <laughs> and all these sites. I mean, you're looking at a... It's really going to be unforgettable, unique, Anne. Unique. It's going to be unforgettable. I mean, the things we will see, the things we will do. Um, and it's, you know, pretty much all-inclusive, which makes it easy. I mean, it's, it's four-star hotels and it's breakfast and dinner every day. You don't have to worry about those mm -hmm. things. you got the coaches. you got the local tour guides that have been to all these places. Mm -hmm. uh, so nothing to worry about. Just uh, put your mind on the Lord and think about uh, these tremendous places where the we're going to the prisons where uh, Peter and Paul were both imprisoned that's part of the trip oh, how about wow. that yeah you that's think about be that amazing and then of course St. Peter was buried at, uh, under St. Peter's Basilica mm -hmm. under the altar there so um, when you the, the spiritual experience of this pilgrimage will be so deep um, they can't even imagine what it's going to be like to try to describe it to people when we get back yeah, that's going to be tremendous. So uh, I, this is very exciting. I want to look it up. Where, how, where do I go to find this? 
Two places, you can go to matermedia.org once okay. again and you click on pilgrimages or, and that takes you to the Canterbury Pilgrimage site. Okay. So Canterbury Pilgrimage or matermedia.org. All right. And that leaves, that trip leaves in April? April 23rd. You know, I really love the mm -hmm. dates of it, Ann. Mm -hmm. Easter this year is late. It's April 21st. Mm -hmm. So we get through Lent, we get through the Triduum, we celebrate the joy of Easter Sunday, and then two days later, Easter Tuesday, we leave on our pilgrimage to continue the celebration of the Easter season. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. And we're back May 3rd, Friday, which is great because everyone has all these events in the Saturdays of May, the weekends That's of May. Right. You got weddings mm -hmm. and ordinations and first communions mm -hmm. and confirmations and all this kind of stuff. We're back for all of it. We get mm -hmm. back on Friday, May 3rd with incredible stories to relate of this incredible 11-day yeah. experience. Yeah, that, that would really move people in their conversion experience, their their journey to Christ going on a trip like that. That yep. sounds and wonderful. And they can share with all the people when they get back, yeah. which is what it's all about, sharing the faith. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. Well, Zip, I just want to take the last few minutes and um, thank you, number one, for coming on and, and sharing your unshaken witness story. And also, if you could just let the people know, you know, what you want to say to them about um, being a witness for Christ you know if you can just take your time and look into the camera and just talk to people that might be viewing that might be on the edge of what to do in life right now and maybe they need some words from the Holy Spirit well I think you know in my own journey I came to see that God is all I mean there's a lot of riches in this world it's a beautiful planet which God made he gave us all kinds of opportunities. He gave us freedom. He gave us our gifts, whatever they may be. We all have gifts and talents and skills, all different. We're all unique. What a creator to create six and a half billion people, all totally unique. But the common thing is that creator loves each and every one of us so much that he died for each one of us. I often think if I was the only person on earth, Jesus would have done all that for me. He did all that for me. And think about that. Coming down from heaven, giving up the kingdom for the, for the Father to come to become a human being. What humility. And then to suffer worse than anyone has ever suffered, worse than anyone ever will, to take the nails in his hands and his feet, to die on the cross, to give up his life for me, to save me from all my sins to atone for all the horrible things I did for so many years in my life. What a loving God we have. That is love. So how can we not respond in love? How can we not give ourselves totally to Him? You know, in my autobiography, I talked about many failed efforts at love humanly in this life. I've come to see that my lover is Jesus Christ and that He loves me more than all the women in the world put together. He is my true lover. Not only that, he's my best friend. When I'm feeling lonely or alone, I think about that and I think, I'm not alone. Jesus is here. He's my perfect friend. He knows everything about me, everything I've been doing, everything I'm going. He knows all my problems, all my concerns, all my worries, all the solutions. He's my best friend and he's always there to talk to anytime. That communion, that spiritual communion with Christ, no matter where we are, as we focus on Him, we turn our gaze to Him, we just look at Him with a loving gaze, you know, right in the middle of activity, 
that's very pleasing to our Lord. That strengthens that bond, that great friendship, that great love relationship we have. So I just say when you get closer to the Lord and discover how much He loves us, then how can you not respond in love for Him, the Creator, our greatest lover, the greatest lover, the source of all love in this world for now and forever. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Zip. And I, uh, I just want to just again uh, encourage people to look up Modern Media, um, M-A-T-E-R-M-E-D-I-A.org and check out everything that Zip is doing to um, be a witness for Christ. And uh, thank you again. This is the Unshaken Witness Stories of Modern Day Witnesses to Christ. And I'm your host, Ann Maloney. And this has been another production by S-J-E-N-TV. Thank you.